We're going, to, uh, we're going to thank God this morning. We're going to rejoice in his goodness, his grace, his mercy and kindness to us. And as Brian mentioned earlier, we're going to have a time of response and hopefully the stickiness will still be on the back of your post-it notes so you can stick it on the steel drums at the end. But um, today's really a big day of celebration, thanks and rejoicing in God's goodness. Would you join me as I pray and as we get stuck into God's word this morning? Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are who you are as we've sung this morning. We rejoice in your character, your goodness, your grace, your steadfast and abounding love. We thank you that you're a God who has revealed yourself to us. God, we thank you for who you are, your excellency, your worth, your majesty. We worship you for that this morning. And we pray now as we come to your word and sit humbly under it that you would speak to us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who transforms us and changes us and makes us more like Jesus. And we ask that you would do that this morning. We pray, Father, that you would send us out of here radically different people for your glory, for our good, for the sake of this city. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And those who agreed said, Amen. Amen. You know, in uh, 2009, 2009, Richard Dawkins was in a debate in London and uh, he was reflecting on his feelings, his emotions as he looks at the Grand Canyon or as he stares up at the Milky Way and he said this and I quote, it's a feeling of a sort of an abstract gratitude that I'm alive to appreciate these wonders. When I look down a microscope, it's the same feeling. I'm grateful to be alive and to, to appreciate these wonders. Now, I don't know about you, but as I read that, I thought to myself, well, hang on a sec. Who are you grateful to? Like you're an atheist. You don't believe in any form of God or deity. Who are you thankful to at that point as you stare up at the Milky Way and feel that sense of gratitude? Now, to be fair, maybe he's just thankful for it and not necessarily thankful to anyone. But I don't know if that really works. Like, can you be thankful with no object of your thanks? I don't know if that really works. Now, I'm not pretending to be you know, up on, on all of the philosophy of gratitude from an atheistic perspective. Like maybe at best, it's, you feel fortunate and not thankful. I, I'm not too sure. But as I read that, I can't help but feel that that's a highly contradictory statement. I'm thankful for this random cosmic accident that happened that no one is behind it, but I'm thankful for that. But... Doesn't that seem like the most appropriate thing to do? As you look up at the Milky Way, or as you stand up at the Blue Mountains and survey the wonderful creation, as you see a sunrise or a sunset or whatever, like, isn't that the most appropriate thing to do to feel awe and joy and gratitude and thanks? We, we just kind of call that worship as Christians. That's what it is. Maybe Richard Dawkins was worshiping God as he looked up at the Milky Way and had a heart of gratitude. I, I, I don't know. But you know, I get that sometimes Christians make the opposite mistake. You see, we, we're quick to thank God, aren't we? Thank you, God, for my healing. And we forget to thank the doctors and the nurses and the medicine and the technology and all those things that made that available. Uh, but we ought to thank God for both. We ought to be able to say, thank you, God, for the doctor who, who healed me and thank you to the doctor himself or herself for for healing me and thank you God for giving him or her gifts and for their fine motor skills and for technology and we ought to be able to thank God for all of those things. 
But you know, the problem isn't just who we thank, but what to thank or what to be thankful for. It seems like often thankfulness is a bit of a, an extinct attitude at the moment. I don't know about you, driving in Sydney, it seems like thankfulness is gone. Like, what happened to the old wave, the thank you wave? When, when someone let you into their lane, you're like, thank you. Right? What happened to that? Right? You know why that doesn't exist in Sydney anymore? Because you don't let anyone in. No one lets you in. It's like, I forced my way in. I took that spot. And so I'm not going to thank you for that. Or Gen Y, most of the people in this room. You are said to be the generation of thanklessness, the generation of entitlement, the generation that just wants everything and wants it now. Now, yeah, woo. What a, what a defining stereotype of this generation. I think it is a stereotype. Because I'm not sure entitlement is a specific 20 to 35-year-old problem. Like, you have your 20th birthday and all of a sudden you're full of entitlement. You hit 35 and it's... I'm not, I'm not really sure that that's just a Gen Y problem. Like, to be fair, I see entitlement in my three-year-old child. It's everywhere. And so we're looking at this issue of thankfulness this morning. I'm not suggesting that Christians are more thankful than any other people. But what I am suggesting is that at least we ought to have a greater depth to our thankfulness. We have a spiritual element to our thankfulness at least. But we ought to be a thankful people. Thanklessness at its very heart is a rejection of God. And that's what Paul says in Romans Chapter 1, verse 21, he says this. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. What Paul wants us to see here is failing to honor God, failing to thank God for his goodness is a form of sin, form of rejection of him. You see, maybe it was a heart of entitlement, a thankless heart that existed in Adam and Eve in the garden when they rejected God and and believed the lie of the enemy. You see, they thought, well, God is holding out on us. See, if they were thankful at that point, maybe they would have just been content with the abundance that God had already blessed them with. But instead, this dissatisfaction stirred in their hearts that caused them to take their eyes off the abundance of fruit that God had given them and focus on the one tree that he had said not to eat of. And that dissatisfaction turns itself into sin as they reject God's goodness towards them. You see, an attitude of entitlement and ingratitude is there at the very start of our narrative as Christians. What I want to suggest this morning is that a heart of thankfulness is inextricably linked to the gospel. That if you love Jesus, if you get what he has done, then we ought to be the most thankful people alive. Thankfulness, it's a a powerful antidote to a lack of joy and a lack of contentment. When we have hearts that are full of thanks, 
There's almost no room for envy and bitterness and entitlement. Thankfulness. It radically changes us. And when we're thankful, it radically changes the people around us and the culture that we create around us. Christian psychologist Dr. Arch Hart says that all of the research shows that um, psychologists call thankfulness the buffer to mental illness. Isn't that crazy? Thankfulness can be a buffer to mental illness. One of the examples that he cites is a condition called anhedonia. I was like, what is that? Anhedonia is the inability to find joy in the simple things of life. Like the inability to find joy in a cup of tea or the inability to find joy in your meal or the inability to find joy in air conditioning, right? Amen, Amen, yeah. It's coming in the new building. Anhedonia. And they say that fostering a thankful heart buffers you against that that law of diminishing returns. We've tapped ourselves out. Our pleasure systems are maxed out because we've spent all of our time switching those pleasure systems on with technology and, and all of these things and we fail to just appreciate the simple pleasures of life. And psychologists are telling us that fostering thankfulness helps us in that. And so whether you worship Jesus or not this morning, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, it doesn't really matter. Because all of the evidence, as well as the scriptures, are telling us that thankfulness is good for us. It's good for us emotionally. It's good for us spiritually. It's appropriate in that sense. And so it's important for us to stop as we kind of come to the end of 2015 and just reflect on all that God has done and to be thankful for it. That's appropriate for us to do that. In Psalm chapter 9, David pens this song, this hymn, this prayer of thankfulness. And he recounts all that God has done. This is what it says. Psalm chapter 9 verse 1. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. This is a a deeply personal prayer that David prays to God that the people of Israel have taken and, and appropriated and adapted for their corporate worship. This is a hymn that they might have sung as they gathered together. And David thanks God. This is not token lips only, word only thanks. This is deep, heartfelt, with all of my heart, he thanks God. Now we've got to remember that the heart there is not just simply our emotions, but all of David's mind, his will, his emotions, his gut. He, he rejoices, he thanks God with everything that he has. This is deep, profound, passionate, almost instinctive thankfulness from God, from David to God. You know, it's interesting, isn't it, that we have to teach children to be thankful. Like we're teaching our kids to be thankful at the moment. We, we give Piper, our 15-month-old daughter, some food. And as we give it to her, we say, ta, 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 trying to teach her to say thank you. With our three-year-old Judah, we don't, we don't say ta because he's, he's beyond that. But we give him something. I'm like, what do you say, mate? What do you say? Trying to just get thankfulness out of them. But you know what? It kind of spoils thankfulness when you have to sort of pry it out of clenched fists. Like the other day, I gave Judah something. He asked for a cracker and I gave it to him and he said, thanks, daddy. I was like, 
I was like, thank you for saying thank you, right? We love it when thankfulness just overflows. David doesn't need to have thanks pried out of clenched fists here. It's, there's no prompting for him. He just overflows with thankfulness for all that God has done. It's spontaneous. It's free. And his thankfulness, we notice there, overflows into praise of God. And I think thanks and praise are almost so closely linked that you can't really separate them. You know, as you begin to reflect on all that God has done, and as that stirs a heart of thankfulness, that erupts and overflows into praise. It seems like there's a, just a natural progression of that. Verse 2 says, I will, I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name. His thankfulness bursts forth into praise of God. And singing. The question is, what is he thankful for? What is he thankful for? In verse 1, it says that he will recount all of God's wonderful deeds. That he will recount, bring, call back to mind, think upon, remember all of God's wonderful deeds. What he's doing there is he's specifically thanking God for wonderful deeds, which are his miraculous and extraordinary acts. Collectively, like he's probably casting his mind back to the Exodus. He's casting his mind back to Moses and Pharaoh and all of the wonderful things that God has done. And he thanks God for those wonderful, wonderful, miraculous, extraordinary acts. And the rest of that psalm, David begins to specifically thank God for things that he has done in his life. He thanks God that he has defeated his enemies. He thanks God that God has acted justly, that he has remembered the afflicted, that God has been a refuge. And in the verses to follow, the language kind of gets pretty intense. Like some of the things that he says we might balk at, like he rejoices, right, in the fact that his enemies' names have been blotted out from the face of the earth. You think, is that appropriate? Like, can you do that? It seems kind of spiteful, David, to rejoice the fact that your enemies' names have been blotted out from the face of the earth. Is it appropriate for us to pray a prayer like that? And I can't really think of a situation where we might be able to appropriate a prayer like that, but, but maybe, maybe Christians living in Syria who are being murdered and raped and tortured and killed might be able to pray a prayer like that and it be appropriate. And to be fair, David had enemies like that in his life. But you know, we do have one enemy, a spiritual enemy that we rejoice when our enemy, the devil, was defeated. You know, Colossians tells us that Jesus triumphed over the enemy at the cross, making a public spectacle of him. And so we rejoice in that. But the gospel might change how we treat our enemies. Doesn't Jesus say, love your enemies, pray for them, seek to do good to them? But it might get to a point where there is a prayer that you could cry out to God, but I thank you that you have removed that person from the face of the earth and it be appropriate, maybe. So whilst we might not thank God for the same kinds of things that David thanks God for, Whilst that may not be appropriate for us, the exercise is entirely appropriate. 
The exercise of recounting God's wonderful deeds, of recounting, remembering His goodness to us, that is entirely appropriate for us to do. We should be good at doing that. We should be good at seeing the evidences of God's grace in our life. Psychologists like Arch Hart, the one that I mentioned, he recommends doing this process for his clients, Christian or not. What he recommends is getting to the end of the day and pausing and reflecting and just being thankful for a few things that God has done or just be thankful for the things in your life that you're thankful for. And so my encouragement to you is to try that exercise. As you hop into bed at night, just pause and think about five things that you can be thankful for. And you might need to start really small. You might need to just say, God, I thank you for my bed and my doona and my pillow. There's three things. I, I thank you that tonight I'm not sleeping on a mat on a cold, hard floor. Thank you, God, for my bed. And as we begin to nurture a heart of thankfulness, it begins to expand our horizons. We begin to see the evidences of God's grace. You know, I think that's a particularly important exercise for those of you who wrestle to see God's goodness. Maybe you're a bit of a perfectionist like me, and all you really see is the 5% that wasn't done properly instead of the 95% that was done amazingly. Nurture a heart of thankfulness. Maybe you're just a glass half full person. Nurturing a heart of thankfulness. It's good, it's good for us. It's appropriate. So try doing that exercise. I remember uh, my wife Tash saying that she, was, she, she remembers very distinctly a sermon that was preached at our, at our past church by um, one of the pastors there. His name was Jim. Jim was um, a country boy, pretty down to earth, and he was using this illustration one day of how we're all angry when the garbo truck wakes us up in the morning. They come round, the bin's noisy, slam it on the floor, the truck's like, you know, it's like, oh, the garbo, why do you have to wake me up? And he was saying, instead of just being angry that the garbos have woken you up, why not be thankful that you don't just dump your rubbish into the gutter out the front? And there's diseases running down your... Like, why not be thankful that you don't have to put all your rubbish in the car and take it to the tip yourself? Just be thankful that someone gets it for you. And she profoundly remembers that sermon. She's like, that's so true. I'm always angry when the garbos come around. Now I'm thankful that they take my rubbish away. Nurturing a heart of thankfulness often changes and shifts our perspective. And I reckon people who worship Jesus... We ought to be the most thankful people alive. And we ought to be good at recounting God's goodness, looking for the evidences of His grace. Maybe just think about the amount of times that Paul is thankful as he writes letters to the churches, like Romans 1 and 2 Corinthians. Right? Corinthians. That was a jacked up church. They were messed up in so many ways, and yet Paul still found ways to be thankful for them. In fact, he is thankful for some of the things that they're most jacked up in. Like their speech and their knowledge and their focus on just one gift. He thanks God at the start of that letter for their knowledge and their speech. Ephesians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, Timothy, Galatians. There's no thanks in Galatians. Paul is not thankful for the church that begins to forget and turn their back on the gospel. 
but Paul is often described as the apostle of thankfulness because he is constantly thanking God for his work in the churches. It's appropriate, it's right for us to be thankful. And you know, one of the things I think we can be thankful for, and we're probably good at this, is being thankful for people, being thankful for the people that God has blessed us with. And so what I would love to see, like today is a big day of, of celebration for us at Anchor. It's a big family day. We've asked you all to just like set it aside and be at our Christmas party this afternoon and, and just celebrate with us. And so what I would love you to do is right now, think of someone that you are thankful for at Anchor and make a commitment before today ends to thank them. And don't just go up to them and say, thanks for being you, right? Be really specific. Like, uh, just tell them why you're thankful for them. Like, I'm, I'm so thankful that you have done this and it's blessed me in these ways. Thank you for doing what you do. I love it. Right? Be really intentional today. Like, don't, and if you forget, if you get home tonight, you're like, oh, I forgot to be, just send them a text message, Facebook inbox and whatever. Maybe it's someone outside of Anchor. Don't go to sleep tonight without saying thank you to someone for something that they have done. Are we going to do it? Come on. Are we going to do it? Yes. Good. Good. You know, if we want to build a church where people love to serve, if we want to build a church with this magnetic, infectious culture that loves Jesus and loves serving our city, then thankfulness has to be a part of the DNA of our church. We need to be good at saying thank you. You know, I lost count of the amount of times that Brian said thank you this morning. Every, I, every time I walk past him, I don't know if he's doing it in purpose, Matt's coming, I'm going to say thank you, right? He, but he said thank you to so many people this morning. That's entirely appropriate. We never get tired of saying thank you to people. We need to be good at doing that. So what have we got to be thankful for to God this year? Anything. Yes. We've got heaps to be thankful to God for. In fact, we're going to do that exercise right now. We're going to stop and recount the wonderful deeds of God this morning because He has done good things this year. What are the things we're thankful for? You know, I'm thankful for buildings. Like, I'm thankful for this building. We've been in here for 18 months and yes, it's got no air conditioning. And yes, we walked in and there were things here this morning that we weren't expecting to be here. And you know, one of the things that happens, often the production crew gets here at about quarter to eight in the morning. Do you realize that? Are you thankful for the production crew that come in here and set up? We often get here and, well, I'm not often the first here. Brian and the other guys are here first. And they walk into this room and there is something here that they didn't expect. Like a few weeks ago, we walked in here and Another production had not bumped out properly. And there was just lights everywhere, mess everywhere. And we used to walk in here and just go, oh. Inside, that's kind of what we did. But what we've started to try and do is just do a little process of thankfulness. Like, God, thank you for this building. Because we know that there are so many people who don't have the freedom to worship you like we do this morning. Like, thank you that we even have this space. And it just changes the perspective of the team and we pray and ask that God to change our hearts and help us serve with joy rather than hearts of bitterness because other people messed up our morning. We're thankful for this building. We're thankful for the, the staff here at PACT who have been pretty cruisy about what we do here. We're thankful for that. 
I'm thankful for the new building we're going into. It's got air conditioning. It's got room for kids. It's got room to grow. We're thankful for that. I'm thankful for my brother Brian who rang probably 100 venues across the city and bargained them down to almost nothing and said, we want to do church there and, and did meetings and set up viewings. I'm thankful for Brian's giftedness in that way. I'm thankful for buildings. I'm thankful for generosity this year. God has been so good to us. He has inspired a spirit of generosity amongst his people here. At the beginning of this year, I was, um, I was working out of cafes. I was working at home. Like we got a little two-bedroom apartment and uh, we got two crazy kids. It's really hard to try and focus on doing anything at home when they're knocking on the door, calling out daddy and they're going crazy. And so I would get in the car in the morning and I would drive out of our complex and go over the road and just park in the car park at the park and turn the aircon on and just work there because that was way more productive. And it was, um, it, look, it just wasn't all that productive at all. Working in cafes, spending $70 a week on coffee and lunches because you felt bad for being there. And one of our financial supporters came to us and said, this is a little bit ridiculous that you're working in the car. Here's $10,000, go find yourself an office. Right? I'm, I'm thankful. Every time I walk into our office now, I'm like, this space is amazing. This is so good. I love it. I'm thankful for that. Thankful for the generosity that God inspired in those people. I'm thankful for our staff, for Brad, for Brian, for Alnado, for their wives and families. I'm so thankful for these guys. They give 110% and then more. They serve you guys faithfully. They're passionate, committed. They own this vision. We just went away this week for two days of prayer and vision and dreaming about the future. And it was really fun. Like I, I enjoyed hanging out with these guys. We, we went go-karting. I took them go-karting as a bit of a thank you for the year. And, and we did this drift trike thing. It was super fun. And we sat up and we played poker and 500. And I was just sitting there going, I love this. I love hanging out with these guys. I love the staff that God has brought to Anchor. I'm so thankful for people that I can work alongside with, that I enjoy being with. What else am I, we're thankful for our gospel community leaders, right? Aren't they a good bunch of people? We had a bit of a, a thank you dinner for them two weeks ago, and we're just sitting out uh, at the back of Brian Tara's place, and looking around the room, I was like, this is a, this is a gun team of people. These guys are good. And I'm so thankful for all of their, their um, partial care, their teaching, their, their um, efforts of trying to get people on mission and, and building family here at Anchor because our gospel community leaders have made our vision a reality. I'm so thankful to them. And so I know we did this a few weeks ago, but can we just thank our gospel community leaders and all they do in serving us? I'm thankful for community. Now, one of the things that people constantly say to us as they come and join this church is, you guys do community really well. And, you know, part of that is probably just the evidences of God's grace. Like, He made that happen, and we had a vision for it, but God made that happen, and it really is good. Like, community really is good here at Anchor, and I'm so thankful for that. And all of you contribute to making that wonderful to be a part of. I love community here at Anchor. I love the fact that the gospel is transforming people's lives. 
Uh, we heard the story of Nigel Nick just a few weeks ago of how the gospel has been radically transforming their hearts, their career decisions, what they do with their time and finances. And it's so wonderful. And there are stories like that all across our church of how the gospel has been shaping us and changing us and making us more and more like Jesus. I love that. That's God's work, right? I didn't do that. The staff didn't do that. The gospel community leaders didn't do that. Sure, God might have used us to do that, but it is God by his spirit who takes our eyes off these things and casts them to the cross and the heavenly things that are above and causes us to reevaluate our lives in response to the gospel. So I'm thankful for God's work there. I'm thankful for the amount of service and volunteering that happens at this church. You know, this church, and I constantly steal Brian Houston's line where he says, uh, this church is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. And that is true of our church. You know, there's a statistic that floats around that says most churches have 20% of the people that do 80% of the work or 20% of the people that do 80% of the giving. That's not true here at Anchor. In fact, I know most of you have received phone calls in the last month saying, would you like to serve on this team? Would you like to be in this team? You know, if every single person says yes, we'll have 100% of people at this church serving in some capacity. That's phenomenal. Next year, we may have 100% or close to 100% of people serving in some shape or form at this church. That's what it ought to look like. It never should be 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. The reason it ought to look like that is that God says that the church matures as each part does its work. That's the vision. As each part, that nobody does nothing here at Anchor. We all have a part to play. We've all got a gift. And I'm so thankful that people are using the gifts that God has given, him, given them to serve him and his people. I'm thankful that this is a church that values serving. You know, one of the things that we did early on, and I, I think it was the right thing to do, was we didn't form a bump-in, bump-out team, a set-up set set, set team. We said to our gospel communities, because we value serving, because Jesus has made us servants, that means we look and long for ways to serve. And one of the ways we're going to do that is roster our gospel communities on bump-in, bump-out. Now, let's be, let's be fair for a second. Sometimes on a Sunday morning, after seven Christmas parties this week, it's hard to drag yourself out of bed early, get here, and do the hard work on a 30-degree day of moving boxes. But I love that that's a part of our DNA as a church, that we serve, and we seek to serve with joy. So I'm thankful for all of you in the ways that you have served this year. I'm thankful for the people that have come to know Jesus this year. We've just heard a story just this week of one of the girls in our gospel community who gave her life to Jesus. We got to baptize Audrey earlier this year, which is a wonderful thing. I'm thankful that God is at work here drawing people to himself. We pray that he would do that more and more and more. But um, that is one of the best. I love it. I love baptism services. Uh, they're so good. Such a wonderful evidence of God's grace. And I love the fact that we get to celebrate what God has done in people's lives with a visible demonstration of transformation. I'm thankful for you, for all of the people that call Anchor Home. And I'm thankful for you because you don't just make this church bigger. But every time someone joins our family, you don't just make us a bigger family, you make us a better family. And I mean that with sincerity. 
because you come with your own unique set of gifts that God has given you to serve. You come with your own unique perspective on life. Even when you come with mess, that, that is a process of God refining us to think about how do we deal with this? How, how, how can I love this person? You come with your own unique story of God's transforming grace in your life. And so truly, every single person who joins our family doesn't just make us a bigger church, you make us a better church. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for so many other things and there is heaps of things that we can be thankful for. And so what I want to do right now is pause and give you an opportunity to just reflect and be thankful to God for something this year and take a moment to write it on your little yellow sticky note that you've got there. Well, mine's not all that sticky, but we'll see how we go. Just write something on there. I'm thankful for computers. I'm thankful for seats. Maybe it's more profound. You want to thank God for something, but God loves it when we're thankful, right? Even for small things. You know how much I loved it when Judah said thank you to me for a biscuit? It was just a biscuit. I loved it. God loves it when we are thankful to him. So take a moment now. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to just reflect on what God has done in your life this year in the life of our church and just write something down there and be thankful for it. And then as we respond and worship God at the end, I'm going to invite you to come and stick those onto our steel drums at the front here under the communion station. So take a moment to be thankful. All right, hopefully you've had time to think. And if not, you can do so in the, in the closing minutes here as we wrap up. You know, the thing that we ought to be most thankful for is Jesus, right? That not be true of us. We're thankful for the gospel. Yes, anyone? Thank you. Colossians 2 verse 6 says this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We ought to be abounding, overflowing with thanksgiving for what God has done in the gospel. You know, we never recover from the gospel. We never graduate, move on to bigger and better things where we cannot be thankful for what God has done in us because it is every single day that we need the transforming power of the gospel in our life means that it is every single day that we ought to be abounding and rejoicing in thanksgiving for what God has done. Is that not true that God reminds us that we need Jesus every day? He reminds us that His grace is sufficient. He reminds us that our identity is secured in Christ. Every single day is a moment for us to reflect on the gospel and abound, overflow in thanksgiving for what He has done to us and for us. But you know, we don't just thank God for what He's done. Like We don't just thank God because He's handy to have in our lives, right? And we thank God for who He is. We thank God for His excellency and His majesty and His worth. Anything less mistakes the giver and the gift. One of my favorite authors, John Piper, says this. He says, And God is not glorified if the foundation of our gratitude is the worth of the gift and not the excellency of the giver. If gratitude is not rooted in the beauty of God before the gift, it's probably disguised idolatry. 
So we're thankful for all of the wonderful gifts that God has done. And it's right for us to recount and remember God's goodness to us. But we don't stop there. If we just stop at thanking God for how handy He is, we've turned God into a piñata that blesses our lives. We don't do that. We thank God for Him. We thank God that we know Him. We thank God that He is worthy. We thank God for His majesty and His wonder and His glory. We thank God because it is entirely appropriate for people that He has created in His image and likeness to reflect back to Him His worth. That's what Thanksgiving is. It's worship. It's response. And we're going to do that right now. We're going to worship our God. You know, the thing that David does in this psalm is he allows the good things that God has done to stir thanks and then praise. So we need to praise God right now, church. I want us to lift the roof as we respond in worship and praise and thanksgiving during this last set here. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite the band to come up. We're going to, we're going to respond. Take your, your thankfulness and just stick it to the steel drum there. And it doesn't matter if it falls off. That's fine. We'll just leave it on the floor. But we're going to respond in worship, thanks and praise. We've got two communion stations to my right and left. And on them are grape juice and bread, and we invite you to pick up the bread, dip it in the grape juice, and eat it with a heart of thankfulness for what God has done for us in the gospel. So should we respond? Should we give thanks? Yep, let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We love you for what you have done. We love you for who you are. We thank you that you have been abundantly, generously, ridiculously good to us. We thank you for all of the ways that you have been so evidently clearly at work in the life of our church. And we want to give you all the praise, honor, and glory that you deserve for every good thing that has happened. But God, we don't just want to stop at your gifts. We want to thank you for you, for who you are, that we get to know you, that we get to worship you, that you are worthy of all our praise and honor and glory. And so we bask in your wonderful glory this morning. We pray that you would delight in our singing as we delight in our Savior. And we ask this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus and God's people said, Amen.